welcome to this episode of Beyond BIM. Today we will be discussing the future of off-site construction and its changing nature by hearing directly from Lauri Thulberg, the CEO of Wellament. The concept of off-site industrialized construction has existed for many decades, yet it is seeing an increase in demand and growth in the housing sector due to the growing need for affordable housing. Whilst academics have long written about innovative processes for off-site construction to improve productivity, in reality it is the industrialists at the front line of construction fabrication who have sought to implement those ideas and change the process of traditional construction. Wellament is one such example of a growing innovative off-site construction company based in Estonia which specializes in timber-framed construction. And now let's begin with our guest interview by hearing what Lauri has to say on off-site construction and his start to this growing industry. I think it was very logical for me to start uh, studying engineering uh, at some point. And, um, but I think what was different about my studies was that I did a, a another a degree in uh, industrial engineering uh, besides civil engineering. So um, I studied in Hong Kong uh, all, the whole concept of supply chain management, industrial uh, engineering, and uh, I think that really opened my mind into these uh, subjects of lean production, quality management, supply chain management. Uh, that have been sort of available into the manufacturing industry for decades. But I think this has sort of uh, not been a main topic for the construction industry. And um, I think I was I have always sort of had problems with this stagnated systems. And I, and I think when I see a, something that, you know, the this has been done the way that has been done because, just because uh, it sort of has always troubled me. And, uh, and I think the last project as a project manager, so I was a civil engineer, uh, engineering site manager and project manager. And uh, the last project I did was an eight-story residential building. Uh, and I think that uh, during that period, I really started thinking about the construction duration or the, the whole concept of time uh, a lot. And then I think uh, we, when we did that project, we tested out a lot of uh, uh, sort of tools that are more linked to lean construction, like last planner. And, and we tested out several apps like plan grid and then genie belt. And then, and I think, but at the end of the day, I, I saw that at when, when we don't change something really significantly in the process, uh, it, it's really difficult to sort of significantly affect the construction time. So I think that was the period when when we when we started development and uh, and uh, and the whole sort of prefab industry in Estonia has actually been very well developed, mainly the timber prefab uh, industry has been very well developed in Estonia because 
most of the industry is actually exporting to Scandinavian markets. So I think Estonia is the biggest exporter of prefab uh, products and systems to the Scandinavian market. I think almost 95% of the production goes uh, to export. And wow. okay. it, it's, it's yeah. not a lot of people understand how, but I mean, most of the markets, uh, I mean, Sweden is a very well developed prefab market, right? Yeah. And uh, maybe the most developed in the world. And, uh, but the, but what, what the, the problem is that well, their producers are doing it for their own market because they don't have any dim- sort of significant need to export. But uh, in terms of Estonia, we have only 1.3 million people. So there's not really a market here. So there's a drive to export this. And then I think this has very much affected how the uh, Estonian prefab industry thinks about logistics and and, and, uh, and prefab in a, in, a, in a broader sense. Okay. So, um, so um, obviously going from Hong Kong to Estonia was probably quite a transition and their construction industry and nature of it is quite, quite different. What were the sort of key learning yeah, points that you saw from that? I think, well, Estonian construction, I think, had, well, naturally we have the, the heritage comes from the Soviet Union in a lot of ways. And uh, actually the precast or the concrete precast uh, industry is very well developed. And uh, well, these are the systems that came from, uh, originated maybe from France and then, uh, then uh, transitioned into the Soviet Union and then uh, spread from there to uh, these uh, sort of linked countries, or how to say it correctly, but um, so I think, I think, well, in, in Hong Kong, I didn't really study uh, study uh, civil engineering. So my uh, topic there was industrial engineering. This was completely new to me. And, and uh, you know, at that time, I thought that logistics is just bringing uh, products from point A to point B, and then you understand that actually there's a whole um, sort of, there, there are so many concepts behind it uh, to make it efficiently. And then this is something that actually affects us in our uh, com- completely, I guess, everything, uh, what we do, uh, what we consume in our everyday lives, uh, we are actually affected about supply chain management. But I think what, what was really surprising to me when I became aware of these, uh, sort of, uh, principles and and uh, it was the that construction has completely ne- neglected them. So I think when I came back and started to work as a civil engineering, it was you know it was very uh, I was very sort of optimistic about the possibilities of uh, using these tools. But I, I think you know usually the, the construction industry is very sort of conservative in terms of uh, using innovative principles and then it um, as a single source it's very difficult to change this mindset mm. uh, yeah so so for for the novice then you say that the key is to change the process could you explain to somebody that maybe isn't as familiar what exactly is construction industrialization and off-site construction and what is its importance overall um, well, I think the whole the whole concept of uh, construction industrialization um, uh, 
sorry, my mother tongue is not English, but uh, has been around for quite a while. So I think, you know, it has its roots and uh, maybe the maybe first one would a significant one would be the Sears Modern Homes catalog uh, in the States. And then I think maybe the biggest shift happened with the modernist movement and the uh, Bauhaus and Le Corbusier. And then, so I think these concepts have actually been around and, and uh, for quite a while. But I, um, and I think, you know, this the true innovation happens when there are these mega trends that create this shift. So maybe uh, in the middle of uh, the last century, it was just the post-war uh, housing demand. And, uh, and so th- there was a demand to, uh, to look into uh, syst- uh, systemize the approach of, uh, of construction, right? So um, th- this, uh, this is some- not something really new, but uh, I think it's going through at the moment, the new wave. So, um, Mm, and uh, it's very difficult to say where it's moving or w- will it, I don't believe it will fade off, but uh, uh, the lack of productivity um, uh, in construction is talked about more and more. So, um, and I think this happened maybe, I hope I'm not wrong, but I think the, the, the this, this has happened maybe in the last four or five years. Uh, so you can see that, there's, there, there are so many articles, so many new companies coming up with uh, trying to tackle this problem of productivity. Um, and uh, and I think when we started development, uh, which is a offsite construction company, we we sort of really saw what productivity and the, and the use of time actually means. So in usual construction, the timeline is spread out on a quite a long timeline. Most often the projects are a year or two, uh, two years long. So the cause and effect scenarios are very difficult to see. Right. So, and what is actually lack, uh, causing the lack of productivity. And I think this, this drive into construction industrialization is just trying to, trying to solve this issue. Um, in the last wave or, or even in, in this, uh, in this, this time as well. And then talking about industrialization and then this lack of productivity, do you see from your experience with Wellament that the clients are actually changing their demands? Has has the client or the building owner changed? And has this had some kind of impact on the ways in which now the construction industry is providing services? I think definitely, yeah, because we can we can even see this uh, in a, in the in the Estonian market. So you could you could say that there because time in Estonia doesn't cost as much as it does in Scandinavia, right? So that, that that's a really big effect. Why I think uh, uh, industrialization has uh, happened in construction in in the Scandinavian market because time itself costs so much there. So they they have started thinking, okay, how do we actually save time? But in Estonia, it hasn't really happened uh, for quite a long time. But what has uh, the, the recent trend is that there's a really uh, shortage of uh, skilled labor in, uh, in the Estonian market as well. And uh, there's also, of course, a demand. But uh, and now we, what we see is that actually clients or actually the, the even the, the regular sort of 
construction people or uh, uh, even project manager that managers that have been uh, in construction for decades they are starting to think differently they are they are approaching they're not just driving dr- trying to drive costs down but they are trying to look into how to improve quality how to do things differently how to not waste time on site so uh, I would say that in the, in Estonia it has happened in the past two years. Uh, so uh, uh, so yeah, it's it's. Uh, I would definitely say it's a, it's a, there's a shift happening here. Mm. And then I also recently came across your very interesting article, which discussed the use of robotics in construction. So can you tell us a little bit more about the implications of robotics? And maybe even discuss some of the misconceptions about it. Well, my point with this article was that um, I mean, robot uh, using robots uh, um, is something that is happening in every industry, right? So this is something not not even only in manufacturing, but also in business processes. And, and uh, when we're talking about RPAs and, and, and maybe process mining and then so on, and whether it's on the software side or hardware side, it, it's something that it's, it's such a huge megatrend that it cannot be stopped. I think this is probably because technology or machine learning and, and uh, I wouldn't want to go into AI, but, uh, but I mean, this is something that is such a huge uh, innovation at the moment that I think this is changing everything, what we're doing um, or how we are working. But when we're talking about construction, then this concept of robotization, um, the main question is like, how, where do you actually use the robots? Do you do it in the unpredictable on-site environment or do you do it in a factory environment? And um, I, I think the, the main question here is like, what are actually the available possibilities for uh, using robots and uh, and the concept of feasibility? And uh, and I think in this sense, it makes much more, uh, more sense for construction uh, to look into available possibilities in robotization instead of, sort of developing completely new robots and bringing them into unpredictable environments. So in my mind, it just makes so much more sense um, dividing the product, which is a house, into uh, transportable pieces and uh, just doing the final assembly on site. And uh, it, it, this is something that has happened in the car industry uh, with the original equipment uh, manufacturers just putting the modular pieces together, and uh, and uh, there's a there are suppliers who are uh, making them uh, in uh, other factories and just bringing them into the uh, final assembly factory. So this this helps to control the quality better uh, and uh, and also control the speed and uh, the. And most importantly, I think the, the 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 sort of the volume of information. So, it, information or data is is a huge part of this. Uh, and and I think construction has very much neglected this uh, uh, data collection, data processing uh, aspects of what they're doing. Um, and is that something that you are closely observing? within your company? Well, well, yeah, we are using a lot of 
data processing, data data collection. So I think th- this is we we can see from at the end of the day what we're doing is we're building houses. I mean the the product itself is still a house, whether it's a one story, two story, or a, or, or a facade element project, which is a hybrid system with concrete uh, structures. Um, what we at the end of the day it's still construction right but but we're just building it differently so um but what we can see from our point of view is that the timeline uh which is in our controlled environment we can see every uh, sort of cause and effect scenario that affects time so when a project moves quickly through a factory it's profitable if there are so uh, many delays, if there are stoppages, uh, it, it quickly can turn into an unprofitable project. Mm. And I think this is something that construction has neglected. As I mentioned before, you know, the timeline is spread out on a uh, on a year, and 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 usually the, the data collection aspect is very difficult to tackle in construction because the projects themselves are spread out, and they are sort of sort of. Um, separate companies within a company i would say which has a lot to do with the uh sort of the project management manager and the team and what is their sort of uh, processes and then how they work and then i think in th- that sense it is very difficult to collect meaningful data uh from from the uh, construction sites mm-hmm. but it's very it's it's possible to collect useful and meaningful accurate data in a factory environment and control quality and safety and so on so um in that sense yeah it, in, in my mind it just makes so much more sense to uh move into offsite construction more and more okay and then in regards to that with data collection and and effectively we're digitizing a lot of our existing processes it's been said that bim is kind of the the stepping stone to attain lean construction and offsite construction has that been the case with your company wellament are you guys utilizing bim and does it really have a big part to play in that transition um well i'm, I'm very cautious about using the word bim at all i mean <laughs> My point is that, um, in my mind, BIM is just a tool. It's an enabler. So, um, so the point is that the well, what's the most important uh, sort of uh, letter in BIM? I think it has been for a while now. The the most important uh, emphasis has been on a modeling, so building information modeling part. But I think the, the most important word is actually the information part. And I think construction doesn't really understand it at the moment. The, how, how much power actually comes from uh, using information. And uh, well, in Estonia, for instance, well, it, it has started, of course, from the, uh, from the design engineers part because they want to avoid uh, uh, clashes. They want, they, because the, if they are doing something wrong and they have to redo it they are actually again they're losing money but what has been neglected i think is the information part and 
from our part, we are designing the project because we have um, uh, machines in our factory that need that they need commands, and these commands come from the uh, model we are using HSP CAD for design, and these uh, CAMCAD command commands are actually a very good way of how to look at BIM, because if the data uh, the client for the data is actually a machine then you start understanding how important it is to have accurate and uh, uh, data that is uh, that has a higher quality. Right, does, so does that it it's sense? machine readable, <laughs> effectively. It's, yeah, it's, in a way, yeah. Because, um, I mean, uh, BIM is, it has been, I think, um, it doesn't really make anything better uh, in, on its own, right? It's a tool. Yeah. So, and I think it falls under the broader aspect of modern method, methods of construction. So I think in my mind, BIM is something like, uh, like the ERP systems for the manufacturing industry. Mm. Uh, and, and, uh, the, the whole point about this is to collect data and to use data to make your processes more efficient. Of course, construction is more difficult. I understand the product is changing and, and, and uh, we need the model part to just uh, uh, interpret the, the building and to, to, uh, to help collaboration between the different parts. Uh, well, the biggest issue, of course, is that the industry is so fragmented. So I think BIM is, of course, a tool to help to tackle this fragmentation, to help these different parts architecture and uh, civil engineers uh, who are designing the building uh, or doing the, uh, the engineering design. And then of course the construction people who are actually going to build the uh, product. So th this is something that helps this uh, communication, but, uh, but uh, in the big, the biggest problem I think at the moment is still the mindset shift that, mm that still keeps this fragmentation uh, inherent in the system. And uh, so the mindset shift is what is often quoted as, you know, the people is the hardest barrier to overcome. Mm. So has that been the case then? Do you feel that that's one of the key elements as to why the construction industry, although it's tried to emulate the automotive sector, it's struggled mm -hmm. for a long time to do so? I think definitely this is uh, I think the biggest shift at the moment what is happening is that there is a generation shift uh, happening in the whole construction industry so you have young people uh, stepping into leadership uh, positions and management positions and they have been you know they have grown up with technology and the use of technology so there's no you know like th th there's no I think the uh, previous generation has, has has had problem with this because they don't feel so confident with technology. But I, but the, uh, as more and more uh, young engineers are uh, stepping into these decision uh, sort of these positions where they actually make decisions uh, on a broader uh, company wide process sense, they will start thinking IT and technology first instead of the other way around. Yes. And uh, so I, th I think this could be the, this underlying shift that is happening 
Uh, and of course, you see like all the other industries using technology and IT so much, and you have the very vibrant uh, startup industry trying to solve everything with uh, uh, apps. So I think this yeah. is something that construction industry just cannot neglect anymore, and then uh, and is starting to use these tools more and more. Okay. So then lastly, where do you yourself foresee the offsite construction technologies evolve, let's say in the next five to 10 years? Are there things that are just coming across the horizon that we've not yet experienced? Um, well, first, firstly, I think that not all buildings should be uh, prefabricated. I mean, you, you will always have these um, sort of icons that uh, whether there are opera houses or, or public building schools, uh, there's not, not really a need to look into prefabrication for it. It's possible of course, but the question is whether it's feasible. But if we're talking about affordable housing, which could be one of the biggest issues at the moment uh, in terms of urbanization and, uh, and lack of skilled labor, uh, and bringing the cost down. So I think this, it's something that's, um, that, that's going to definitely be a rather a norm, a norm uh, rather than a, an exception. So I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the first question for these projects would be that how much can we uh, prefabricate or what, what's the degree of prefabrication for this project, whether we're using full modular or panelized systems together with uh, concrete structures or, or bathroom pots, or, you know, it's just a matter of if you can't prefabricate everything uh, and, you know, volumetric units are not the solution for everything because the transportation costs are a significant factor and sometimes it's just not possible. And uh, architecture-wise, also it, it limits. Uh, it brings up about a lot of limits. Uh, but what it's maybe a, su a subject that is also has been interesting has been interesting to me is the concept of mass customization. So I think in the next five years, we would definitely see this concept being more developed and using construction systems. Uh, as well as giving clients a set of options, but still harnessing uh, the, the mass production aspects to a certain degree. So I think this would be something that, that would be more, more and more uh, talked about. And I, I suppose that's again, probably going to lead to the example of the changing needs of the clients. So the changing demands of the customers, whereby we're so used to to all of these uh, items being delivered to us on, on virtually next day deliveries and we can do everything online. Do you feel that that is going to then push forward that change in the construction sector as well, that the consumer is beginning to demand those types of services? It, it could be, but I mean, it, when we're talking about, I mean, the car industry is giving the client options, right? I mean, yeah. the client is very much putting the car together uh, themselves. Mm. Um, 
But when we're talking about construction, I think it's of course more difficult. Uh, not everything can be copied copied from the car, um, uh, the, the automotive industry. Um, but there's there's definitely uh, there should be options for the client. But um, the the whole question is like what what are actually those options? And and um, a lot of the times, I think the client is also very um, uh, how to say polit- politely, but they have a very mixed uh, understanding about uh, what they actually want. Um, mm-hmm. In my mind, I think we don't, you know, if, if it's the, if you are a very wealthy person, you will most likely hire an architect. This is something that is a, this is a, a sort of a, uh, luxury, uh, 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 sort of something that, uh, that, uh, is not for everything, everybody, I think, but if we're talking about affordable housing, uh, there should be some options, but uh, they shouldn't sort of, um, um, affect the price so much because at the end of the day, that's the biggest key is, is to how to uh, reach this affordability, affordability in, uh, in housing. And, um, but uh, of course it is, you know, in everything, everything we do at the moment, we have choices. So the, the construction or uh, real estate development industry has to, uh, go with the same flow. Okay. Um, any last final words about what are the next upcoming challenges for Wellament? Uh, we are looking into new markets at the moment. So up to now, the main market has been Sweden, uh, a little bit uh, Finland, uh, Estonia is growing, uh, um, Norway as well. But now we are looking into Germany and and uh, and. Uh, the U- UK as well. Uh, Iceland is uh, is we're, we're delivering first houses into Iceland uh, to Iceland at the moment. Wow! Um, yeah, it's it's been quite interesting, and uh, we're really next year we're developing our processes, uh, fine tuning them, uh, finding fine tuning how we collect data, trying to sort of. Uh, get the data more more and more accurate so that we can get real, um, uh, we're, we're doing data anal- uh, visualization at the moment to help us interpret the, the trends. Uh, and then uh, we're thinking about uh, building the next, uh, uh, next phase for us. Um, but uh, we'll see what the market is doing as well. So at the moment, the beginning of the year seems very interesting, but, uh, but, uh, well, you know, it, it, these are turbulent times, so we'll see. Yeah, how yeah. The- <laughs> Thank you again for listening to Beyond BIM on CoinPia. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more of our latest episodes of Beyond BIM, please visit CoinPM, which is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and all other major podcast providers.